Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Well, it's such a privilege to be with you guys. Thank you for being here today. Welcome all of you who are watching online. And uh, man, you guys look fantastic. Look at you. Wow. Do me a favor. Lean over to somebody and say, hey, you look way better than last week. No, don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't really. It's, it's okay. Well, greetings from Texas uh, and from New Hope Church in Texas. We're uh, just privileged to be here today. My wife Susan's with me and so honored to be with you guys. Thank you for having us. Uh, you guys are in the midst of a series called You're Invited, and uh, I'm going to talk about the invitation to peace today. Everybody say peace. Peace. That's what we're going to talk about today. We all need more of that in our lives, and our personal lives, but also we need more peace in our world. And I think it's one of the things that we're called to as followers of Jesus is to bring peace to our world. And so uh, if you've got a Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, or an electronic device. You can look it up. It'll also be on the screen. Uh, but we're going to look at this verse. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 is part of the Sermon on the Mount. You might have heard of that before. It's in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and some other Gospels have pieces of it as well. And uh, the opening to the Sermon on the Mount is a section of Scripture called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are where Jesus basically lays out the core values of his upside-down kingdom. And he lays out these ideas, and he says, man, you're blessed when, you're blessed when, you're blessed when. And we, we love that word blessing. It's like, man, I want to be blessed. That's great. But he says, you're, he says things like, you're blessed when you mourn. Wow. Really? You're blessed when you're poor in spirit. I don't want anything to do with being poor. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, wow, these, these are really upside-down concepts that he invites us into and yet when we dig into them a little deeper, we find out that when we begin to engage these things that Jesus is talking about, these values of his kingdom, it turns our lives upside down in a really good way, and it makes our world a better place. One of those we're going to look at today is, again, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. And this is where Jesus says something spectacular. Man, I just love Jesus. He's so amazing. He's so amazing and so life-altering. Everything about him is transformative. But look at this verse, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's think about that word blessed for a minute because we kind of throw it out there. I'm blessed or whatever, you know, we don't really know what it means. The word blessed is from, in the original written language of the New Testament, Greek. The word blessed is the word makarios. And the word makarios means to be blessed. It means to be happy. It means to be envied. You guys all know what envy is, don't you? Like, we know what envy is, right? It's, when, it's, like, it's like when you're, uh, you go to a restaurant with someone, like we were with uh, Leon and Allison last night. You go to a restaurant with someone, and you're really trying to decide what to order. Like, you're really not sure, and you're struggling with the menu. You're looking at it, you're like, oh, I don't know if I want that, I want that, whatever. And then you order, and the other person orders, and they bring the food out. You look at your food, and you look at their food, and you go, oh, I should have got that. <laughs> That's envy, right? That, that, that is Envy. Envy is also like every time you get on social media because everybody's life looks so nice. And it looks like their kids all obey all the time. And you know that yours don't. That, that's called envy. That is, Jesus says you are to be envied when you're a peacemaker. 
Then you'll be called children of God. The word peacemaker is a really powerful word. And again, back to the original language, it's, it's from the Greek word irena, which sounds like a Russian woman's name, but it's not. It's a Greek word, irena. And irena means to make peace or establish harmony. Anybody love a good harmony? I love harmony. I love, I love really good harmony. Like, like the vocalists were doing some harmony this morning, you know, and uh, I, I love, I love like, like bands that do really great harmony. Like my favorite, this is going to date me really, really badly, but my favorite band who does harmony is an American band called the Eagles. Anybody ever remember the Eagles? Like, like Leon said, if you don't know who the Eagles are, Ask your grandmother or Google it. I don't know, one of those two. But anyway, just to catch you up a little bit, the Eagles were this band in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and they were just incredible, and they did these incredible harmonies. And I love, harmony is so amazing because what harmony is is when you take two things that are different, you bring them together, and they're better together than they were apart. Jesus says, blessed to be envied are the peacemakers, those who bring harmony out of disharmony, for they will be called children of God. That word peacemaker, again, it means to bring two separate things together and they're better together than they were apart. It's, it's the Greek version of the Hebrew word shalom. Everybody say shalom. We know that word, don't we? Shalom, it means peace. But the word picture there in, in shalom is this idea of something that's broken apart and it's put back together. It's like a, a broken down wall, you know, that all the bricks are laying around and someone takes those bricks that are all broken apart and puts them back together, puts the mortar in there and gets them all back together and the wall is all put back together. Now the wall is in shalom. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, the harmonizers, those who bring things back together, for they will be called children of God. It's the picture of a relationship that's broken and comes back together into harmony. You do that, you'll be called a child of God. Let's think about that for a minute. That's, that's pretty intense what Jesus is saying. In fact, it kind of makes sense then when you look at the message translation of the Bible where Eugene Peterson, he translated this verse, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he translated it this way. Look at what he said. He said, you're blessed to be envied when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Let's pray and we'll talk about it. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for calling us to peace. Thank you for calling us to be peacemakers. Thank you for calling us to be bridge builders and harmonizers. And God, I pray that you would help us to be a people who look like our Father, who bring different things together and make them better than they were apart. That's what you do. That's what you've done with our lives. That's what you've done in, in building your church, God. And so would you help us to be more like you? In Jesus' strong, life-changing name, amen. I don't know about you guys, but I have this kind of fascination with bridges. 
I just love bridges. I, I, I love everything about I love bridges partly because when they're done, they look really cool. Like when you're looking at a bridge, like, whoa, that's amazing. But then the other thing about bridges that I really like is when you look at these two, this, this separation, and you see a bridge, and you're like, how in the world did they build that across that divide? Like, that's just amazing to me. Like, let's have a little fun with this. Um, so uh, there's certain bridges around the world that Susan and I have been to that I just love, and I just think they're amazing bridges, and I want you to look at these bridges and see if you can guess the bridge that I'm about to show you, all right? So here's the first one. Let's put it on the screen. And does anybody know what bridge this is? This bridge is in Colorado, and it's across what's known as the Royal Gorge. It's the Royal Gorge Bridge. And you can actually walk out on this bridge, and it is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet to the bottom. And you look over the edge of the bridge, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> and you're like, how in the world do they do that? I don't get that. Look at this next one. I think you guys know this next one. Anybody know this one? Anybody know this one? Now, you all said it right, but it, in America, when I show this bridge, people are like, that's London Bridge. I'm like, no, it's actually not. <laughs> London Bridge is pretty plain. This is actually the Tower Bridge in London. And they're like, oh, really? Well, this next bridge, this is from my hometown. You, I, there's no way you know the name of this bridge. It's the Margaret Hunt Hill Bridge. They just built it a few years ago in Dallas, and it completely changed the skyline. It's absolutely stunning and beautiful. You're all going to know this next one. Look at this one. Yes, that's the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. A little side note. So uh, Susan and I were in San Francisco a few years ago. This will tell you a little bit about my wife. And, and she said, let's walk across the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm like, really? You can do that? She goes, yeah, there's a sidewalk. It's over a mile across this bridge. We walk across this bridge. It's windy because it's San Francisco. It's blowing. It was beautiful, but it was a thing. And dodging bicycles and all kinds of stuff. And we get across the bridge, and I'm like, hey, let's call an Uber. And she said, no, we're going to walk back across the bridge. And because I'm married to Susan Spurgeon, we walked back across the Golden Gate Bridge and we did not call an Uber. So if you want some adventure, you should hang out with my wife. This last one is my favorite bridge in the world so far. Anybody know this bridge? This bridge is in Florence, Italy. And it's known as, in English, it's the old bridge because it's so old, they don't know when it was built. Now, I don't know about in this country, but in my country, a bridge gets to be 60, 70, 80 years old. They're like, we got to rebuild it. This was built thousands of years ago, and it's still standing and still operating. These, these are houses along here that people used to live in and then sell out of the front as people walk by their bridge. They still have shops on it. You can still buy in front of it. It's an amazing bridge. If you ever go to Florence, you should actually go see it. It's, it's beautiful. But I love bridges one, because they're really beautiful. Two, because they're really hard to build. And when we think about being a bridge builder, a harmonizer, a reconciler, a peacemaker, it can sound a little glamorous in a way, can it? It can be like, yes, I'm a peacemaker. But you know, the thing about bridges is that bridges get walked on. And bridges have to become comfortable with footings on both sides of a divide. That's part of what it means to be a peacemaker. And Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, the bridge builders, 
the reconcilers, the harmonizers, for they will be called children of God. Now, why would Jesus make such a dramatic statement? Because think about it. There is no higher title that we could be given than a child of God as a human being. And Jesus says, that's when you're called a child of God, when you're a peacemaker, when you're a bridge builder. Why would he say that? I mean, it's so intense. But let's, let's think about the, the, the culture and the time and the world that Jesus was speaking into. Let's just, let's just process that a little bit. Let's think about what was going on in Jesus' world. Look at this list. Jesus' world was marked by political and religious strife, wars, violence, racial tensions, economic challenges, sexual exploitation, a few haves and a whole bunch of have-nots. Does that list look vaguely familiar to any of you? Let's just change the title for a second. Can we, can we change the title? My world is marked by political and religious strife. Can somebody say amen? I mean, are we, we're more polarized in this world than we've ever been, it seems like. There's so much strife politically and religiously. There's wars. I mean, Ukraine... Israel and the dozen other wars that the news media doesn't talk about, violence all over the place. I mean, there's so much violence in our world, guys, just like there was in the time of Christ. And then are there some racial tensions in our world? Absolutely there are. Man, if you go to my country, you will feel the racial tension. Economic challenges. Can somebody say inflation? Anybody? Yeah. Few economic challenges, sexual exploitation. Oh my goodness. I get the privilege of serving on a board for a, a ministry that helps rescue trafficked women. Do you guys know there are more slaves on the planet today than at any other time in human history? A few haves and a whole bunch of have nots. You know, if you own a car, you're in the top 10% wealthiest people on the planet. A few haves, a whole bunch of have-nots. And Jesus comes into this world and he says, blessed are the peacemakers, the bridge builders, the harmonizers, the reconcilers for they will be called the children of God. They will be the ones that other people look at and go, wow, I wish I was more like that. I wish I could be more like that. I wish there were more people like that in the world. That looks a whole lot like Jesus. That looks a whole lot like who God is supposed to be. And when we live as peacemakers in our world, guys, the people around us are drawn toward God himself. wow, you look a lot like Jesus. You see, when you sign up to follow Jesus, you're not signing up to be a divider. You're signing up to be a uniter. And I get really heartbroken a lot of times when I'm on social media or I hear people who claim to follow Jesus and they're bringing more division and hate into the world than they are bringing unity and love into the world. 
Guys, we need to be the peacemakers. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to choose to follow Jesus, or you've already made a decision to follow Jesus, this is what you sign up for. This is the invitation that he's giving to every single one of us. He is inviting us to be peacemakers, reconcilers, those who bring people together who are different and we're better together than the way we are, were apart. So what does it mean to be a peacemaker versus a peace breaker? Let's, let's think about that for a minute. Like, like, let's get real practical here. What is the difference between a peacemaker and a peace breaker? Well, a peacemaker builds others up. A peace breaker tears others down. Peacemakers seek common ground. Guys, do you know that when you're in a disagreement with someone or someone you look at is different from you or they think different from you, if you were to really be honest about it, there is far more that you have in common with that person than you have that divides you. Peacemakers seek that common ground. What can we be in agreement on? What can we come together around? Peace breakers focus on what makes us different. Why are you different from me? You don't look like me. You don't act like me. You don't talk like me. They focus on all those things. Peacemakers focus on the common ground, what brings us together. Peacemakers believe the best. Peacebreakers believe the worst. You guys ever sent a text and it auto-corrected on you? You know what I'm talking about? Or somebody else sends you a text and it's like, what? What, is, what in the world? What? And as a peacemaker, man, you got to make a choice at that point. You got to say, man, I, I don't think they really meant that. And you ask some clarifying questions and you find out what they really meant. What was that really about? Why did you say that to me? You know, and, and we, we dig in and we go there with each other. Peacebreakers just assume the worst and they're done. It's over. Relationship finished. Peacemakers choose, everybody say choose, choose to forgive. Do you know that there is not one single time in my life where I have felt like forgiving? I'm just being honest with you. Because if I feel like forgiving, I don't really need to forgive. Right? It's just when I don't feel like forgiving that I have to choose to forgive. And by the way, if you're going to follow Jesus, or you already are a follower of Jesus, it's really important to know that forgiveness is not optional in the kingdom of God. It is the foundation of our faith. It is the basis on which we live in a relationship with God because of Jesus' forgiveness for us, and he invites us into that same forgiveness for others. Peace breakers choose to hold on to bitterness, offense, hurt, anger. Peacemakers unite people. Peace breakers divide people. So let me ask you all a question. Which one would you prefer to be? <laughs> You want to be a peacemaker or a peacebreaker? I'll be really honest with you. Being a peacebreaker is a whole lot easier. It's so easy to be. It's so easy to focus on what's wrong or what's different or what I don't like about someone. Man, it's a lot more challenging to be a peacemaker, but it's a lot more life giving. And Jesus says, when you choose to be a peacemaker, you will be called a child of God. So let's get let's get really practical. How do we actually live this out? Like, what are some things that we need to activate in our lives if we're going to be peacemakers like Jesus invi invites us to be? And, and, I'm, and I, I've just had the privilege 
uh, in my life of doing a lot of peacemaking in my own relationships and helping other people in peacemaking and reconciling relationships and marriages and families. But also, I get to work with leaders all over the world and, and helping leaders who, man, they didn't see any way they could come back together and see them come back together. It's a privilege. It's an honor to do it. But here's some things I've learned. I was going to share out of that learning that if we're going to be peacemakers in our lives, we've got to engage some things. If you want to be a peacemaker, number one, you've got to make peace with your past. Because if you don't make peace with your past, you will drag your past into every relationship that you engage from that point forward. Our past can, if we allow them to, they can define us and drive us. And God is inviting us to make peace with our past so that we can be a peacemaker in our lives. You know, at our church, and I know this is true here at, at Life Central as well, at our church, a lot of people come who have been what we call church damaged. They've been hurt along the way. They've been in, in church situations or religious situations where they got hurt or abused or neglected or, or whatever, something happened. Or maybe they were raised in a family that was super religious and not very relational. And, and as a result of coming uh, to New Hope, and I'm sure this happens here, when, when, you, we get, when you get around healthy leadership, it starts to feel safe. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can rediscover my faith again and, and come back to God and all these things. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But when you're in that position, when you're going through that, there's some things you need to remember. Like, for example, you need to remember that there, that there are no perfect churches. <laughs> you remember that this church is not perfect. Some of you are like, I know that's right. But anyway, uh, <laughs> this church is not perfect because it's full of imperfect people. Right? So they're not there. I always tell people if you're looking for the perfect church, you will never find it. But if you do, please don't join it because it won't be perfect anymore. Because <laughs> we're all imperfect, right? So, so we're all going to, when we come into a church situation, even if it's really healthy like this one, you're still going to rub shoulders with people who are also imperfect. You're going to go to a small group and somebody's going to rub you the wrong way. You'll be like, God, what are they talking about? They stupid. And at that point, you get to choose whether you're going to be a peacemaker or a peace breaker. See, all along the way, even in really healthy situations, because we're interacting with broken people, starting with us, we have to choose whether we're going to be a peacemaker or a peace breaker or not, because there are no perfect churches, because there are no perfect people. You know, when, when, we, uh, when we started New Hope, uh, I actually started the church as a church-damaged person. Uh, my wife and I were serving on the mission field. We were living in Hong Kong, and we were having the time of our lives. It was a great time in our lives, and we got invited back to my home church uh, for me to serve as associate pastor. The church had begun to grow, and they needed more staff, and they invited us back, so we came back. And, and the, church, the, the church leader, the pastor, had a vision to start another, a new church and wanted me to do it. Of course, my famous last words on the plane ride back home were, the last thing I want to do is be a church planter. 
famous last words. Uh, God had a different idea. So three and a half years later, we, we, were, we were launching this church. And, and so it was their vision. It was their idea. Asked me to do it. And so they said, you know, gather a team and then go out and launch this church. And so that was all great until I started gathering a team. And then people that they didn't think were going to go with us decided they were going to go with us. And they got really upset about that. And they said, man, you're taking some of our best people. And I was like, I don't know what to say. And, and, and then I was labeled, after we launched the church, I was labeled uh, a church splitter. A church villain, really. The narrative at that home church, these people that I loved, that we launched out of, the narrative became Keith Spurgeon split our church and New Hope is a split off of our church, and they did all these things, and it was super painful. I mean, I was just doing what you asked me to do. What are you talking about? And now I'm a villain? And I split your, what are you, what's going on? And it took me years and years and years down there, and I would hear that story various times along the way, and every time I heard it, it was like a knife in my heart. And years down the road, and I can only credit this to the Spirit of God, I just felt like God spoke to me one day and he said, hey, Spurgeon. I don't know if God ever talks to you like that. <laughs> hey, Spurgeon, you got something to own back there. This isn't all on them. And he began to show me, he reminded me, man, you were so young and so arrogant and so full of yourself. And you really believed that you were a better leader than the guy who was leading. And you were going to show him how it was really done. And he began to show me that all, so many conversations where I could have been so much more gracious and so much more kind. And this guy was hurting because some of his best people were leaving to go with me. And I could have been so much more empathetic. And I had to repent and say, God, I'm so sorry. And, and me and that that leader, we ended up reconciling, and it, it was beautiful. And, and that's so important because, guys, you can't have peace from your past until you own your peace of the past, right? And if you're an adult in a relationship that's been broken, you've got something to own. Now, if you're a kid and you got abused or hurt or neglected or whatever, you're a kid, you got nothing to own. But in adult relationships with other adults... Even if you feel like you were only 10% wrong, own 100% of your 10%. Because until you own your piece of the past, you will never make peace with the past. It's always going to come with you. And after God took me to that process of making peace with my past and owning my part, here's what happened a few years ago. That same church got a new pastor. He and I became friends. He heard the narrative, you know, but he goes, I know it's not true. And, and he called me up one day out of the blue. He called me up on the phone and he said, hey, uh, Keith, uh, I know that this whole thing has been said about you for years. And me and the leadership team have decided we're going to give you guys $15,000 to buy a new soundboard because we want the words of life coming out of your sound system to drown out the words of death we've been speaking over you for years. Can somebody give Jesus a hand? Is that not amazing? <laughs> Guys, I can't prove this. I can't prove this. But I don't believe that would have happened if I hadn't have made peace with my past. Guys, you want to be a peacemaker? Make peace with your past. 
Because until you make peace with your past, you're going to be stuck in your past. And your past is going to continue to haunt you and taint every relationship in your life. Number two, make peace with your people. Make peace with your people. I'll, I'll do this short, but, uh, you know, we, we, we got to forgive, guys. We got to forgive. We got to let it go. Can I just tell you something? When you forgive, it doesn't mean that you're saying what that other person did was okay or it was right or any. You're not saying that. When you forgive someone, you're just letting it go. That's really all it means. I'm letting it go. You know, if you owe me 100 quid and I forgive your debt, what does that mean? You don't owe me 100 quid anymore, right? I let it go. And when you forgive someone, what you're saying is you don't owe me anything. It doesn't mean what you did was okay. It just means you don't owe me an apology. You don't owe me to change your life. You don't owe me to jump through any hoops. I'm just letting it go. And I'm letting you go because until I let that go, I'm going to carry it with me into every relationship in my life. And guys, when you own your part and when you let things go, you have an empathy for people that you never would have had before. And you're able to be a bridge builder because you can see both sides of an issue. You can get comfortable with footings on both sides of the issue. It doesn't mean you let go of your values or what you believe or what you stand for. It just means you can see why people are struggling with things. You can see their perspective. You understand. So you can bridge people together. You can bridge that divide. You're a peacemaker. And then number three, lastly, to finish up, you got to make peace with your faith. You got to make peace with your faith. Because in a crowd this size, I'm pretty sure there's some people who've struggled with their faith. Maybe, you, maybe you've wrestled with, man, am I really going to give my life to Christ? Am I, am I going to do this? And you've been back and forth and back and forth. And, and here's the thing. At some point, you got to make peace with Jesus. Because here's the deal. You and Jesus cannot both be God of your life. Either you are or he is. And by the way, no decision is a decision that you're in charge. You're the God of your life. At some point, we got to make a decision. I, Jesus, you're going to be in charge. I'm giving you my life. And, and some of you might be in that, in that situation where, man, you, you used to be a person of faith, but you've just kind of you just kind of, I don't know, something has happened along the way. And you realize, man, I got to come back to faith. I need Jesus in my life. I need him to lead my life. I don't want to be in charge anymore. So I want to encourage you to make peace with your faith. He is inviting you into his family. He loves you more than you can possibly imagine. So much that he spread his arms wide on a cross, giving you a forever picture that he loves you this much. And he took all of your pain and your shame and your sin and your regrets and your past onto himself, inviting you into the family of God. It's an open invitation, always before you. And at some point in our lives, we've got to make a decision about faith. I want to pray for you. Can you bow your heads for a moment? If you're online or here in the room, I just want to encourage you, man, if you realize, man, I, I, want to, I do, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm tired of leading my life on my own. Just tell him that. In your own heart, in your own mind, he made you, he can hear you. Just tell him, Jesus, I need you. 
I want you to lead my life. Thank you for forgiving me at the cross. I give my life to you. I choose you today. Make me a peacemaker. And if you're listening to my voice right now and, and you'd like to be more of a peacemaker, you just realize, man, I want, I want to be someone who builds bridges and brings harmony. Can I just encourage you in your own heart and mind right now, just tell him, Jesus, would you make me a peacemaker? Would you make me a bridge builder? Would you help me to be a harmonizer? Help me, God, to bring people together rather than pushing them apart. Give me the grace for when I get walked on and give me the empathy to see both sides of the issue. God, bring our families together. Bring our companies together. Bring our schools together, our church together. God, bring, bring our nation together, our nations together. God, would you help us to be a people of peace? And where there's brokenness and war and strife, would you bring peace in the strong, life-changing name of Jesus? Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much.